And so if you would take your Bibles with me and open up to the book of Philippians chapter number 2. Philippians chapter 2. And uh, as we started our uh, study here in this second chapter of Philippians, uh, we were presented with the mind of the believer. And we talked about how uh, the mind of the believer uh, being the focus here. Uh, verse number 5 becomes our key verse. and says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Uh, but uh, as we continue with our thoughts from last week, we move from Paul's plea for unity to the motivation for this unity to now the greatest example in Jesus Christ. And the mind of the believer being the focus on this entire chapter, what I would like to ask before we get into, uh, before we read and before we uh, pray, uh, I'd like to ask you if you would to use this as a time where we examine our mind. To, to examine our mind in such a way that as we look at the mind of Christ and as we understand what the mind of Christ is, we, we examine ourselves in, in the sense of, do I have the mind of Christ? And if I don't, there are things that I need to change. And so whenever we open up the Word of God, we should pray and ask the Lord to change us. Read with me, if you will. We'll read starting in verse 1 so that we get the context, and then our focus is going to be verses 5 through 8. Read with me, if you would. If there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Father, bless now the reading of your word, we pray. And Father, we beg you, Lord, that you would examine us. And that, Father, as we go through this scripture, that you would bring to light things in our life, in our attitudes in our personalities that need to be altered by the Holy Spirit of God. Father, that we would come face to face with the reality that we do not uh, often present the mind of Christ because we do not allow the Holy Spirit to work in us. We fight. But Father, let today be the day that we surrender those things to you. And that Father, we would be men and women who seek to glorify your name. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. 
Well, if you take a look at several different things here, and, and, and I want to try my best uh, to draw attention to very little um, because the main thing that we want to draw our attention to is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the greatest battle that we will face is, the, is a battle of who will control our mind. That's the greatest battle we're going to face. And I want you to see that uh, in, in our first point here, that the greatest battle we face being who controls our mind. The question we need to ask ourselves is, is who is in control of our mind? Do you maintain control over your mind, or have you a given control over to the person of Jesus Christ, to the Holy Spirit? Now, now there's there's a couple things before we move on to our next point. There's a couple things in this that I want to uh, keep uh, our focus on. I want us to be able to see. If you notice there what it says in verse number 5, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That word for let is a uh, is a conscious decision but there's a the the wording that is used for let this mind uh let is a connecting word that can be uh oftentimes translated as because or um uh, since then a sort of an if then type of a statement we we get it in our english we have this idea that if this happens then this should take place. If I throw something, if I throw a rock in the air, then it should come back down. What goes up must come down, right? This is the type of wording that is used. And and what the Apostle Paul is saying is, based on what you have just read, here's what you need to do. Now, take a look with me in the, in the first four verses yet again where we were last week. It says, if there be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Paul is addressing the people there in Philippi, and he is telling them, this is the way you should be acting toward one another. Uh, You should not be seeking what you want. You should not be seeking your own accomplishments. You should not be seeking things that gratify and and, uh, further your cause. What you should be seeking is others. You should be seeking to, uh, to encourage others in their walk. You should be seeking to help others along the way. But how many times do we come into a, a, a setting such as uh, uh, churches and we look at it and we say, well, what do I want? And, and how many times have we heard someone say, well, if I don't get what I want, then I'm going to go somewhere else to get what I want. And the, the, the biggest problem there is the focus on me, and it's all about what I want. And, and, and I'm here to tell you, Pastor, if you don't start doing this, you, let's just think about it for, for uh, a moment. The average church today is, uh, is a 
is around 100 uh, members. The average church is, has around 100 members. If every pastor listened to the statement, well, pastor, if you don't do this, uh, I'm going to go somewhere that does. If every pastor listened, no one would be able to get anything done because uh, th- there would be no way possible uh, for a pastor to listen to every single one of those people. They'd be trying to please men all their life. And that's what the Apostle Paul said when he was talking in the book of Galatians. He says, do I seek to please men or do I seek to please God? Now, I'm happy to set my own, uh, my own wants, my own needs, my own personal desires to the side for the sake of others. But the question then comes in, uh, are we all willing to do that for one another or are we all expecting everybody else to give up for me? You see, if... Uh, there, there have been times, and I've, I've heard someone say one time, I heard them say, well, the Bible says that, uh, that you're supposed to, you're supposed to uh, uh, treat others better than yourself, so why aren't you treating me better than yourself? And I wanted so badly to say, why aren't you treating me better than yourself? You're wanting me to treat. This is the mentality that Paul is trying to get away. Don't worry about how I'm treating you. You worry about how you're treating me. Don't worry about how brother so-and-so talked to you or how sister so-and-so looked at you some way. You worry about how you're doing it to them. That's where we rest. And it wouldn't it be a wonderful place if we could all just, you know, we we just stop worrying about what other people are doing and simply worrying about ourselves. And you know what? I've had some bad days. And I think maybe, just a, just a suspicion, maybe you all have had a bad day in your life once or twice, and maybe you've been somewhere and you've acted or reacted in a certain way that you wished you hadn't acted or reacted, or maybe you've said something goofy before and you just wish that somebody uh, wouldn't have to point that out, or maybe you had a hard time finding the key while we were singing. And, you know, instead of worrying about everybody else, Let's worry about how we treat others and put yourself in that position. If you were having a bad day and you treated someone wrong, would you want that person to be forgiving and patient with you? You see, we need to think of others, always thinking of others. And so Paul says, based on how you ought to act, let me tell you, why and who is the best pattern for this now he gives us the motivation there in verse number one of being unified and and having a humble spirit you can go back and check last week's message if you want more information there but then in verse five he says now let me give you the best example and pattern of this available let this mind be in you what mind the mind we've just been talking about the mind of humility, the mind of of thinking of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The mind of Christ. Uh, Understand something, that the Christian life is not one of just rules and regulations. That's not the Christian life. (coughs) The Christian life is not about obeying certain things, we're allowed to do certain things, we're not allowed to do certain things. The Christian life is the life being lived in the presence of Christ. 
catch that. That before I'm ever worried about what I'm allowed to do, what I'm not allowed to do, what I'm, no, before I ever do any of that, I have to remind myself and live in the truth that Jesus Christ is ever present with me. <laughs> That's a wonderful thing. A wonderful thing. Now, let's look at a couple of examples of this. If you want to go uh, just to the next book over, Colossians. Chapter number 2, Colossians chapter 2, and look at verse 6 with me. It says, As ye ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him up from the dead. Do you notice that we are with Christ? We were buried with him, and we have been raised with him through the faith of the operation of God. Now, this is something that we have to reckon ourselves regularly. Verse 6, he said, As ye therefore, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. This is what it means to live the Christian life. We have the mind of Christ given to us. It's, it's not something that, uh, that we have to go find. It's not like we, we, go, uh, we, we meet Jesus Christ, we ask him to be our Savior, and then we have to figure out the rest of this stuff, and we, we've got to dig through and, and come to the realization that, oh, I, you know, you've got to stand on your head for a half hour every morning, and you've got to chant 15 different things 12 times a day. And No, 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 no. There's, there, there, here's what it is. At the end of the day, I reckon myself dead to self and alive to Jesus Christ. And then I have to let that mind regularly control where I am, what I'm doing, how I'm doing it, what I respond with. I let the mind of God take control. Now, in looking at this, we have this mind. Uh, we do not uh, think about it from this perspective. Go to Romans, um, Romans chapter eleven. Look at Romans chapter eleven with me, and give me just a moment here. Romans chapter eleven. Look at verse uh, thirty-three, the very end of Romans chapter eleven. Oh, the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been his counselor? Or who hath first given to him? It shall be recompensed unto him again. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. 
Amen. I want you to see something in this. It says, who hath known the mind of God or who hath been his counselor? We've, we've got too many times where we try to come and we, have to, or we feel like we have to let God know about something. Hold the phone. No one has ever instructed the Lord. The Lord needs to be the one that instructs us. We're the ones that need to be taught. We do not instruct God. We, we, we let him instruct us. Now, keep in mind what we just read there in Romans 11. Follow on. Don't forget, no chapter, no verse divisions uh, until later on. Chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, because of how great he is, because his ways are past finding out, because he is not the one that needs to be instructed, but we are. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. All glory goes to God and all belongs to him. No one has ever counseled him. No one has ever instructed him. He instructs us. And because of that, because of how wonderful he is, I beg you, he says, that word for beseech, I am begging you. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Be not conformed. Don't be, don't be shaped like this world. Don't conform to the way this world does things. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What is this renewing of the mind? The mind of Christ. Go back with me to Philippians now. There will be common traits among believers who are yielded to Christ. There will be. This is where that unity comes into play. He says in verse 2, Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded. Listen, if, if I let the mind of Christ control me, and you let the mind of Christ control you, guess what? We'll be like-minded. That's a beautiful thing. We will be united. Now, this does not mean that... that uh, I'm going to want to do everything the same way you're going to want to do everything or that I'm going to worship him in the same manner that you are able to worship him. Listen, let's just be honest. All of us have seen those shows on TV where you've got those people that try to sing and they want to be the next American Idol or whatever and you're just watching them going, God bless those poor individuals. They don't have friend number one to tell them, buddy, you can't sing. Please don't go on national TV and embarrass yourself like that. And then they go out there, they think that they're going to be the next greatest thing, and, and you just, um, huh, sorry, no. I just feel sorry for those, the, do they not have anybody in their life that's willing to say, please don't go up in front of those judges, they are going to laugh at you. And you've heard them here at the church as well, you know what it's like, you're standing there and you just want to say, um, can you make a joyful noise somewhere else please? Not right in my ear side. <laughs> See, here's the thing. We will be like-minded in this sense. The mind of Christ says to put others before yourself. If the only thing in my mind 
is me, the way I like to do church, the way I like to uh, uh, sing, the, the, the way I like to dress, the way I like to read, the way I li- If that's the only thing that's on our mind, we won't be like-minded. Because here's the problem. What I like and what you like is different. The, the music I like and the music you like is different. I guarantee it. I live with, with four people, and we all four, all five have different tastes. Some of the music, I just, I, you know, there, there, was a, there was a new one that came across. Uh, uh, my, my dad has a podcast, and uh, uh, he was talking about um, uh, the evolution of music through the years. And one of the t- styles of music that one of the uh, guests on his show was talking about, uh, there's your shameless commercial, Dad. Uh, one of the guests on his show uh, was talking about this new form of rap music that is mumbling. Mumbling? People pay good money to listen. <laughs> I, I'll record some mumbling and see if I make a million dollars. It's just stupid. Now, there's some people that enjoy that stuff. I don't know why. Maybe they have, uh, maybe they're tone deaf. I don't know. God pray for them. But, you know, it's, you know, I wonder to myself, why in the world would someone listen to that? And then my wife says, why do you like bagpipes? I like bagpipes. <laughs> why do you listen to that banjo? <laughs> I like that stuff, you know, it, Some people don't. But the one thing, if you're worried about what you like and I'm worried about what I'm like, we will not be unified. But if I'm worried about you and you're concerned about me, we will find unity. Let the mind of Christ be in you. I will give up my own personal for the good of the whole. Now, let's look at the second thing in this. Christ's mind is seen. I'm sorry, uh, I jumped ahead. The form and the equality uh, uh, that you find there in verse number six uh, speaks to the high position. Uh, I want you to understand something. The father did not. Let me repeat that. The father did not force the son. The son willingly Offered. Look at verse uh, 6 with me here. Talking about Jesus. Who being in the form of God. Thought it not robbery. To be equal with God. The words. The, the, uh, the wording there for form and e- equality. Speak to the high position. Now. There are some that are going to take this passage. And they're going to try to say. You see. He, he's not God. He's just. He's just like God. That's not a proper understanding of this passage. The word there for form is the word morphe. Morphe uh, has a, uh, uh, a sense of the, the true nature. The true nature. And, and it's used, it's, it's not a likeness, but the actual nature of a person who being in the form of God, whose true nature was God. Now, if you, if you understand that, then we also know 
the, what, what is talking about uh, that Christ was in the very nature of God. He is, he is by nature God himself. He took on this nature of a man, though. Now, we talked about this in our uh, um, uh, Friday night Bible study a little bit, the, uh, uh, that God is, uh, that Jesus was 100% God. He never gave up his deity, but he was also man, 100%. God clothed himself and became man. Uh, he, he didn't quit doing what he was or quit being who he was. So by nature, God, uh, Jesus Christ, was and is God. Nothing speaks to this as, as clearly as John chapter number 1. If you look at John chapter 1. Verse number 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was was God. This is clear language. And, you know, your, your Jehovah's Witness will say that um, uh, the word A should be there, that it's the word was with God and the word was a God, but the transliteration of the text, there is no article there. There, there is no A. The transliteration of the text would be, in the beginning, the word was. The word was with God, and God was the word. That's the transliteration of the passage. And so they, they word it the way that they do so that it's more understandable in our modern, uh, more modern language. Uh, so we understand this, that the word was there, the word was with God, the word was God, and then we continue to read down through, and in verse 14, we understand the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory of, as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the word was Jesus Christ. We, we can understand that based on just basic reading. But now, if you look back to verse number 2, it says, The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. This is, this is incredible to me. The thought that the one who created everything came to serve his creation. Do you see that? Well, I don't like to do that kind of stuff, Pastor, because that means I've got to give up what I want. The one that created everything. Everything came not to be served, but to serve. The creator serving the creation. <laughs> I don't know about you, but that just, it melts me. When I think that God the one who spoke the worlds into existence, would stoop and condescend himself in such a way that he would come to be my servant? I don't know about you, but that's humbling beyond words. Equality there. It took no effort. Go back to the uh, Philippians. 
chapter 2, verse 6. It says, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Now, we can actually say uh, that word that, where it's saying he thought it not robbery. It wasn't something that he had to take. It, it, it was not robbery for himself to be equal. He wasn't taking something that didn't belong to him. He was equal. And so this is something also, uh, some can actually translate this grasped at. He didn't have to grasp at something. It was his. (laughs) You know, I don't have to grasp at at being male. I I am. There are some people that they they seem to think that they they have to grasp at uh, certain types of uh, of, of leadership or at certain abilities. But then there are other people who are naturally born in, in certain ability uh, to have certain abilities. Uh, I was not naturally born with good looks. I had to work to get to the, where I, my wife, it's natural. But understand something. When it says here, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. In other words, it took no effort. Jesus was equal with God the Father. Pick up what's going on here. You and I are not equal with God. In a world where everybody's all about equality, You and I are not equal with God. And yet he humbled himself. He did not have to grasp at it. He willingly let go. This is why I said the father did not force, but the son offered himself. I want you to look at the next thing here, that Christ's mind, the mind of Christ, is seen in his actions. The mind of Christ is seen in his actions. Look, look with me at verse number 7, because it just talked about Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, so he was, he was God, is God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of of men. Notice what's being said here. Christ emptied himself. You see that? Where it says, but made himself of no reputation. He was God, glorified, deservingly so magnified. And he emptied himself. This is not saying that he ceased being God. That's not what is being said here. What is being said is he set aside all those rights and privileges. And he humbled himself. If you continue to look at this, this is the opposite of grasping. And so you see the opposites from verse 6 to verse 7. That if, if 
Christ had tried to grasp or tried to hold on to. That's the opposite of what he did in emptying himself and making himself of no reputation. But he took upon himself the form of a servant. Christ's mind is seen in his actions. His humility is seen in his love. This is a beautiful thing here. Verse 8 says, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wow. And being found in fashion as a man. Hmm. You know, I like that word form that we saw in verse 6 because we see it again in verse 7. Christ, He is by nature God. But by nature, He serves. (laughs) You look at any other representation of a deity. (laughs) And they're always expecting someone else to serve them. Only in Christianity, only in Christianity, do you find the one that made everything being the servant. Allah does not serve you, you serve Him. The Brahma does not serve you. You serve him. Every other type of deity out there is not a servant. But God in his wondrous grace, in his glorious mercy, he serves you. His nature is to show love and mercy and grace and beyond. This is the beauty of our God. So don't ever, don't ever be ashamed of being this type of person. When Paul said, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, what he was saying is act like Jesus. Act like your creator. Wonderful truth. Being found as a, in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. And became obedient unto death. Even the death of the cross. You know Jesus loved us. This is the next thing I want you to notice. Jesus loved us. It wasn't a philo. Type of a love. You have the various types of love. Phileo, storge, eros, agape. A phileo love is. To. To. Love something reciprocally. I love you because you love me. You love me because I love you. Agape love is a love regardless of the response of the other. This is the type of love he loved us. It's a a love uh, that is sacrificial. He loved us 
when we could not love him. Go, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, if you would please. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Look at verse number 1. It says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. That word charity is the word agape, which is where we get our word love in the sense of sacrificial love. This is the type of love Christ had for us. Drop down to verse 4 with me. Talking about charity, it says, Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Doth not behave behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. I want you to catch something here. Do you realize that this is a description of the mind of Christ? Christ loved. He loved enough to suffer long. He loved enough to show kindness. He loved enough to not be envious. He loved enough to be charitably humble. He did not talk about himself or was not puffed up. He did everything he could to serve. He said, I did not come to to be ministered unto, but to minister. The mind of Christ does not rejoice in iniquity, does not behave itself unseemly, does not uh, seek her own, does not, uh, ease, is not easily provoked, does not think evil or replay accounts that someone else... You know, you, here's how you can know if you have the mind of Christ or not. This is the one that, I, that catches me all the time. You know how you, somebody offends you, somebody does something wrong to you, and you replay it over and over and over again? That's not the mind of Christ. That's not love. You get on the phone and you call your brother and you talk to your brother. You call your sister. You call your neighbor. You call your friends. You call your, and you tell everybody about this thing that took place. And, and, and That's thinking evil. That's replaying it over and over again. Does not rejoice in iniquity. Do I find myself uh, watching what's taking place? And, or you know, maybe I'm watching some starlet and I think, oh, she married him. Oh, he's not good enough for her. I hope they get a divorce. That's not the mind of Christ. It's not. This is the mind of Christ, the mind of love. Give you just a few thoughts as we conclude this. The mind of Christ is an encouraging mind. You see that in verses 1 and verse 6. 
Did you know that optimism is just as infectious as pessimism? Those are two of the most infectious things that we can offer to people. And it typically starts at the top and works its way down. This is why we, you know, I ask you, pray for your leadership all the time. The deacons and I, we, we want to work diligently and, and make sure that we're on the same page and, and we are optimistic. God is going to do amazing things through all of this. Get excited. The mind of Christ does not sit around thinking on all the things he can't do. Oh, well, I'm not allowed to do this. I'm not allowed to do that. Oh, I, I shouldn't do I can't sing like I wish I could sing. I can't be the one to do this, and I can't. No, no, no. The mind of Christ doesn't do that. The mind of Christ gets excited about the things that he can do or was designed by God to do. I have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in me. I may not be the most popular or the greatest preacher in the world, but I have been empowered by the Spirit of God to proclaim His truth. And that's exciting. This is the mind of Christ. Second, it's a united mind. You see that in verses 2 and 6. There's no division, no disunity, only mutual focus and drive. (laughs) Mind of Christ was nevertheless not my will, but thine be done. The mind of Christ is humble. This means that I no longer look for what I want. You see that in verses 3 and 7. The humble mind. I don't seek myself. I don't seek what I want. I seek what's best for others. The mind of Christ is a servant mind. You see that in verses 4 and 8. I said a while ago that the creator of the universe condescended and came low to serve the ones he created. Listen. Either Christ is who he claimed to be, either Christ is who he says he is, or he is not. It's as simple as it gets. He is God. Now we claim to believe that God is all-powerful, yet we constantly use the words, I can't. We're faced with difficult decisions in our life, and and, and someone says, "You you need to let go of that and give it over to the Lord. You need to just forgive that person and move on. And we say, I can't. You know what that's saying? Is that the Holy Spirit of God that dwells in you can't. I am dead. Christ resides in me and his spirit is empowering me to do what's not natural for me to do. Pastor Andy, if I I make a decision, I'm going to lose someone that's very close and very special to me. If I make a decision like this, Pastor Andy, this person might leave my life. That person might move away. That person might do this. I might lose a job. I might lose a paycheck. I might lose, hey, please understand something. Quit saying I can't. If you are empowered and indwelled by the Spirit of God, you can. 
Paul talks about this later in this very book. I can do all things through Christ. (laughs) I have a difficult time putting other people before myself. I can be selfish just as much as the next person. But the mind of Christ is selfless. And if I have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in me, the mind of Christ is right there waiting for me to let it work. If the believer will let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, we can live this united lifestyle. The alternative to the mind of Christ is pride. Plain and simple. The alternative to having the mind of Christ is pride. And we all know what pride does. We all know what it accomplishes. (laughs) Pride goeth before the fall. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Where are you today in reference to the mind of Christ? Father, we come to you, Lord, because of who we are in you. Father, I am I am your child. And you give to me the privilege and the opportunity, the boldness to be able to enter into your throne room. To be able to crawl up into your lap. And be able to say, Daddy, I need you. And Father, because of that, Lord, I have access to the mind of Christ. But Father, I have to allow this mind to take over. Father, the things that are in my life, the the ungodly relationships, maybe even with godly people, but the relationship that I have with them is not godly. But Father, the the attitude that I bring oftentimes is is an attitude of strife and vainglory. So Father, what I ask, Lord, is that you would remind me of that regularly. Drive me to my knees. Humble me, Father. God in heaven, I pray the same thing for all that are under the sound of my voice today. Father, for the households that are represented, Father, that you would fill that place with your presence. Father, that this very day decisions would be made for you. God in heaven, that you would be exalted above all. And that, Father, we would be given to the mind of Christ and its effect in our life. Renew our minds, we pray. It's in your son's name we pray these things. Amen.